In federal contracting, planning and deploying tactics to capture end of fiscal year funding is a core activity for small businesses. Being intentional by having a strategy to focus your activities and plan to sustain the likely increased volume of effort sets the stage for likely winners and losers. On our final episode for the inaugural spring season, we're going to describe and discuss this crucial time of year for every small business. Welcome to Unveil GovCon Stories, where we explore the experiences and share the stories of small businesses and government contracting to spotlight the often sugar-coated or avoided discussions that speak to the reality of doing business within the U.S. public sector as a small business, with your co-hosts Tasha Jones and Yaz Wen. On this episode, we are joined by Carla Brown, Director of Customer Success at RSC2, a DOD-focused hub-zone small business who is a prime contractor on the Army RS3 contract with core capabilities in DOD mission services, including CETA support and IT enterprise services. Carla is a senior level marketing, communications, and management professional with a background in IT services and biomedical research. With almost 20 years of experience in GovCon, she helps organizations achieve their goals through the development of streamlined processes, useful tools, and effective communications. Carla has been the Director of Marketing and Proposal Development for several small businesses over the years. She is intimately familiar with business development, capture, and proposal management practices, and offers expertise in strategic methods that can help teams succeed in winning work. Welcome, Carla, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks. It's great to be here. So what are we jumping into today? We are talking about the end of the fiscal year. Um, it's an interesting time of year, and there's a couple of different kind of timelines that overlap um, during what is the end of the fiscal year, which for all of us in GovCon, I'm sure are all well aware that the fiscal year for government runs October through September, does not align at all with our calendar year, and typically makes for pretty challenging management for our financial teams. But that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is the opportunities that tend to, to come to the surface, bubble to the surface with some work um, at the end of the fiscal year. So that's right around now from a planning perspective that you as a small business owner, business development representative, or general member of the GovCon space really should start looking into what the end of the fiscal year offers. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's start with kind of the government side of the equation. So by the summer, the government federal agencies have already really gotten a handle on their upcoming fiscal year starting in October. They've already done planning. They've already done some budget reviews. They've already, for the most part, laid out their next fiscal year budget. Um, they know where they're prioritizing funds. Oftentimes, any congressional mandates have already hit and other things that, to the best of their knowledge, they can plan for, they already have. So well in advance of the fiscal year ending, the government's already planned for the, the upcoming fiscal year. Um, so why are we still talking about the end of the fiscal year? Um, because as a business, this is your time to really understand what the government does at the end of the fiscal year that has nothing to do really directly with the, the next fiscal year. So what is that? That is the process of obligating and deobligating funds. Um, deobligating or the word deobligate uh, does not show up. I don't think in a Webster dictionary, it gives you a red squiggly line if you type it. Um, so I'm not sure if it is technically a, an approved word, but it is in, in GovCon. Um, and, and why that matters and why you need to know about it is because it's when an agency cancels or makes a downward adjustment to previously incurred obligations. So 
money that they set aside for a given contract, um, they are able to adjust that funding downward for a number of different reasons. We won't get into all the potential reasons, but there are a number of reasons contractually, legally, um, that they are able to make those adjustments to available funding. When funding is de-obligated, um, there are a number of different things that can happen as well. There is a potential for re-obligating, which also does not show up uh, in Microsoft Word as an, <laughs> as an approved word, but it is a thing uh, where that, those funds that have been de-obligated are potentially applied to another contract or maybe even another task on a contract that exists or a sole source award that is completely outside of where the funds originally lived. That's why we wanna have this conversation. There's often a pool of money that is potentially either going to be de-obligated or has not been burned. And your job as a small business is to make sure that you're in the right position at the right time to start capitalizing on some of those available funds. And just, um, to, and just to hit home on what Yas was just stating, a fun fact shared by our guest, Carla, is of the 16,116 sole source contracts awarded in fiscal year 2022, 67% were awarded in the fourth quarter, which is that end of fiscal year that we're talking about. And sole sourcing is 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 what you 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 dream. It is a, a cornucopia of opportunities as a small business when you're able to get funding set aside and sourced directly to your contract for a specific scope of work. And it's often a lead into new opportunities as well. And it's even better if you can manage to capture sole source awards in an agency where maybe you don't have an existing footprint. So this is this is the time of year where you really should be listening in. And hopefully for some of you are already well ahead of this. For others, it's an opportunity to, to really jump into the game and start looking at what opportunities may exist um, for you as a small business and, and, and your employees. Um, so a couple areas we want to hit on today um, that we'll talk through and kind of throw some ideas out there and as well as give you some context as to why these things matter. I want to start today with uh, stakeholder engagement. Stakeholder engagement, I think most already know about. You're interacting with your customers, you're making sure that your PMs that are on site understand the importance of the contracts are versed in your capabilities should an opportunity exist. Um, your BD and capture folks have a, a line of sight in terms of specific opportunities. But where this shifts a little bit at the end of the fiscal year is that the engagement really shifts towards what you can do to help your customer or what you can do potentially that are not always necessarily even low-hanging fruit or obvious endeavors, but opportunities for you to jump in and really make an impact and help turn the corner on funds that maybe would have been de-obligated or funds that maybe would have been re-obligated to something completely different that maybe your customer didn't even have line of sight on that are a need. Um, so engaging with your customer comes in a couple of different shapes, sizes, formats. There's some of these things I think Carla's going to jump into when we talk about the more tactical items, but there are just basic check-ins. There are things you can do to engage your PMs to make sure that they know what time of year it is. Um, there's a song that I won't sing right now that just kind of cued in my brain with those exact lyrics. Maybe we'll add it to the I content somewhere. I think okay, maybe we'll go back and put it in because there's a song hmm. and it's native to DC, which makes it even more appropriate. <laughs> we may have to add it. My brain thinks in songs. I so have a song for this. Um, <laughs> but it is that, that time of year. So <laughs> stakeholder engagement is, is, is a crucial component. Performance assessments is another area. 
conducting performance assessments of ongoing projects and programs. Tasha, do you want to chime in a little bit about the importance of staying on top of your programs? I mean, I know you're living and living the dream right now on a couple of different programs and understand the importance of, of really that customer int intimacy as well as making sure you're in the good graces of those customers to be able to capitalize on some of the funding that may be available. Yeah, performance assessments and staying on top of programs. Um, for small businesses, I think sometimes it gets lost in translation of just, just doing the business and executing. And it's not so much just performing well, but actually capturing and documenting that performance in a way that allows you to come back and, and support reducing the, the workload for the government side, uh, side of the house, whether it's the government uh, program manager or your contract officer when they're getting ready to do evaluations for CPARs. All of these things can go to be positive um, influencers when talking about additional opportunities that may potentially exist and potential uh, scope <laughs> that uh, may not be there that can allow you to have dollars added to the contract because that is another uh, method or format of increasing or, or capturing end of year fiscal funding on your existing contract by organic growth in that specific contract versus having a new opportunity. I, I would also say that from a performance assessment perspective and evaluating your program, people that you normally would not think of themselves as being a part of the business development process which I always champion and push that everybody in the business is a part of the business development process. But I understand that in small businesses, sometimes that gets lost in translation as well. And your front end or frontline workers that usually don't support proposals, they may not realize that. And so by having those program evaluations and assessments, reiterating those things to that level and that line of employees, everybody likes free food, long as it's good. <laughs> So taking them out to lunch and sitting down and having just a very candid conversation about their experience and how things are going and um, making them aware of like targets and goals, as y'all stated previously, I think um, doing it in a more, it doesn't have to look so formal and um, linear as I think it may sound as you're talking about it and making sure that everybody that are involved when it comes to a small business is having the, getting in the same information so that because you never know. It may not be the PM that hears about something. You, many times it's not the PM that's going to hear about stuff. So that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So I honestly feel like with uh, when it comes down to program programs and performance, um, that's something that should be happening obviously year round. But towards the end of the year, um, the, the, the shift should become more tactical and it should also go to as low a level as possible within the company to ensure that you're you know, you're capturing. And I, in my head, I, I, I see metaphors. Yaz thinks in songs, I think in metaphors, and I see like fishing nets and, you know, scooping up all of the bits and pieces. And so I'm going to pause and I feel like we should pull Carla in. Yeah. I was going to say something, but I don't want to like unnaturally interrupt. So in, in that vein of capturing information throughout the year from a program at the lowest level, one thing that's important not to overlook is what gets documented gets reviewed, gets remembered. And so you have to be documenting these ideas, these opportunities throughout the year so that you can look back on them when it is quarter four to say, hey, on this program with this customer, these are sort of recurring things that have been opportunities that we've talked about, but let's not forget about them. And let's make sure we have in our corporate processes, 
um, a method, a time that's the right time, which is probably, you know, very beginning of the summer or early spring, where we're systematically looking through and revisiting things that otherwise we're going to forget about. And it cannot be incumbent on just the program staff. It has to be incumbent on business development, on the on the company to have the processes in place to look at that because they're focused on delivery. And so it has to be baked in to your uh, BD processes. So, and it has to be written down. Yeah, and to, the, to that point, another thing that helps kind of tease some of that information out is compensation. I mean, people will help drive some of these ideas and provide some of this information that your BD folks or other more senior people can actually turn around into an opportunity when they are incentivized to do so. So don't overlook, just kind of like Tasha said about taking people out to lunch. There's free food, there's Amazon gift cards, there are spot bonuses. And I know some of these things are hard to do as a small business, but if you plan for it, knowing that these are the kinds of things where you could see a tenfold return on your investment, a $100 gift card or a $1,000 spot bonus is, is not the end of the world when you're getting a $150,000 contract um, out of just a piece of information that someone was able to provide you that you otherwise would not have had, had access to. So we started with a very small concept of performance assessments, but you can kind of see when you start pulling the threads on some of these things, how in depth you really should be thinking about them and planning for them, which is why waiting until the actual fourth quarter is not ideal. But if you're listening to this now, you've at least got a little time to still jump on the proverbial bandwagon. I want to transition to contract and procurement review. This is a super easy one that is probably one of the things that takes the most time um, and is potentially among the more painful activities as well. But making sure you have the processes in place to support your contract officers, your contract specialists in your organization so that they can do the reviews needed to make sure that your existing contracts and agreements are all set for renews, are all set for terminations if, if need be, so that you are transitioning folks to potentially new opportunities or the people transitioning off of these contracts may be the ones that you use to shape a new opportunity so that now you don't have folks on the bench. You've now turned someone from overhead to a billable resource for a quick tiger team type project. Thinking creatively um, is something you can do when you're a little bit more proactive versus reactive. And that information really starts with either automating your contract and review process or making sure that the folks that are manually doing it are engaged ahead of time and know that they need to do. Because you also have a component of it that need, you, where you need to evaluate the effectiveness and the value of your money against those agreements. Because there may also be opportunities where you can move some resources around or explore new opportunities or create new opportunities with resources that are while they're still billable because you're now seeing the the value of your money on contracts. Tasha? Yeah. And also you don't want to lose um, a potential value in leveraging this for those contracts that might be ending as an opportunity to retain retention. Um, as we know, in the government contracting process, in that cycle for contracts, when you're coming towards the end, if your employees knows that this is something that you do and it's a part of how you, you function towards the end of your opportunities where people are recouped and pulled back in and then pushed back out, they won't be so quick to be uh, looking for other jobs when they think the contract is going to come to an end because it's a part of the evaluation and review cycle to pull people back in house. And it can help support with retention. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And I, I think it's one of those things that we take for granted how 
just the simple activity of not simple, but fairly time consuming, but meaningful activity of reviewing your contracts could potentially open up a number of doors and a number of opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise thought creatively about because it was just part of the normal operating cycle um, within your organization. On the same kind of thread of procurement reviews, um, compliance and reporting is a big deal. You want to make sure that you are compliant with just legal and regulatory requirements. For those that are have cost accounting systems that are audited, you're on a fiscal year and calendar, not a, a, a standard calendar year. So you want to make sure that all of your systems are up to date as well, because the reason that matters is because you don't want to be preparing for this wonderful sole source award and referencing experience and having these cost accounting systems and all of these CMMIs and certifications, and they've actually expired or you're due for a new audit because one thing's for sure even if the government awards these contracts whether it's sole source or otherwise there are still far clauses and compliance and guidelines that they have to meet on any of these contracts just legally speaking so you can't be relaxed <laughs> just because it's you know the free a free for all of contract funding like you still have to be on top of all of your compliance and reporting requirements kb and let me add to if you do have a choice to spread out when all of your compliance and audit activities happen, spread it out throughout the year. Don't save it for the same time like ISO and CMMI where you do have a choice. Work towards that. You will not regret it. I'm going to shamelessly plug that we were both working in quality management at one point <laughs> of our careers together. So she is speaking from from her heart on that yes. matter. <laughs> and you'll get better agreement from your project teams and from management and everyone else if they're not stressing about end of fiscal year activities. So we kind of talked a little bit about the land grab method of reaching out to your teams, getting ideas, put them back in front of your customers, customers that you ideally already have a rapport and relationship with, re-engaging. Um, but there's another side of this equation as well that is more strategic in nature. Another benefit to this end of year funding uh, potential availability is it gives you an opportunity to look strategically at your next fiscal year. So getting in front of a customer to do assessments. It is a small business. Assessments are a small business gold mine. I probably shouldn't even put this in audio, but assessments are, are the jam for small businesses because typically they have very finite timeframes. So the assessment doesn't go on forever. The government can back into a number on an assessment and you can modify the scope to fit the needs of that assessment. And sometimes those assessments tee you up for what you could potentially be going after in another opportunity. And it may not be something you prime. It may still be something you grow towards, but now you can be more strategic. If you're a new company looking to get into cyber, but you've got a few cybersecurity resources, maybe you can start doing some A&A. Maybe you can start doing some cyber compliance reporting, helping them um, with their reporting requirements that come at the end of every fiscal year for system evaluation assessments are key. Um, and to be strategic about those assessments really helps your business development. It helps your helps you plan for the future and also put, really helps shape potential long-term benefits and long-term gains from a collaboration perspective, from an investment perspective, from a teaming perspective, and from the government's perspective, they're getting value out of that because it's something they typically didn't have the bandwidth to do and information they typically need. Sasha? Oh, you no. Look like you were about to say something? I, no, I I was about to say, Does it, it sounds like you really are excited about these assessments. <laughs> Assess, assessments, man, assessments are, <laughs> assessments are the jam. 
Assessment Center. <laughs> well, no, what I'm excited about, let's be 100. What I'm excited about are finite projects. <laughs> no. there, is, there is a beauty in a project starting and stopping and actually being able to hand over to a customer an evaluation or a report and say, this is what we found. Beautiful or not, this is what it is. Now we're happy to help you with the next steps, but I love an assessment because it gives you the, the true state of affairs. Mm-hmm. Maybe I like them a little too much, whatever. Down in front of the customer and talk about your work. You get a lot of information from those. Honestly, in-person is better than anything, but at least face-to-face if you're doing a virtual meeting or whatever, anytime you can sit there and with the topic is how you're performing on their work, you're going to get a lot of information and you can use that to your advantage. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's have, another side of assessments. I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> Assessing what you're doing yourself and making sure the customer is aware of what you're doing. That's another kind of a, see, everybody likes assessments. You were just hiding it. You want to do assessments too. It's your inner it. quality yeah. manager ready to assess some stuff. No, listen, I was, laughing. <laughs> I was laughing because, you know, having been, having been a government employee as well, <laughs> you know, with those assessments, they just find their way into requirements sometimes. <laughs> so, I mean, it is definitely a, a, a value add and a tool <laughs> that you can use for, for end of year. Mm. Let me caveat those assessments, though, since we're still on assessments, because yeah. they are, they so are, they I are was about to go. I was about to go there. I was like, so that's why I was trending is that <laughs> they could end up in requirements. So, like, if you're trying to shape, how do you protect... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Help them protect, but still, you know, retain that equity that you're bringing, right? Nice, I, I'm, nice transition. I mean, CPARS or or even just a, your company assessment or any sort of documented, again, back to documentation. <laughs> I, you like assessment. Okay, so you like your documentation. <laughs> See, we're going to find these. And if it gets documented, you can use it, you know, in proposals and bids to demonstrate your performance. And demonstrate your capabilities and understanding of the agency. But let's also keep in mind for these strategic investments, do not conflict yourself out of what you tried to shape. So I want to highlight that part because we're talking about strategic opportunities. We're talking about assessments. We're talking about bluebirds, which are kind of anomalies or contracts you're going after that you hadn't really planned for, or end of year funding that you're trying to get re-obligated to maybe another task. Be very cognizant of what you're doing and what you're walking into because you can just as easily conflict yourself out of work that you have created because you went too far perhaps into that assessment or you didn't create the necessary firewalls and include that in your contracts so that you can block yourself off or block off a portion of your team so that they don't interfere with any other or their access to information does not interfere with your ability to compete on other opportunities. So you need to keep that in mind with any of these things that you're shaping, you're going after, you're engaging with the customer on. Make sure your entire team is engaged. And, you know, for some small businesses, your entire team is three people, whatever that may be. Make sure that you're having those conversations so that you're not conflicting yourself out of the things you're working to build. Mm -hmm. Because that conflict matters as a prime, as a sub, as a third tier sub, the list goes on and on. Those clauses flow down. If you want to know more about clauses, we did a separate episode on clauses. We talked a lot about contracts. <laughs> Shameless plug for a different episode, um, but keep that in mind. Okay, so one more we want to add to the list. Um, and I know this this list has turned into more of a web for the, our, our listeners. So hopefully <laughs> you are on your your tablet or you were taking notes somewhere because we've, we've, we've gone through a couple of different things. But the last thing I want to talk about are lessons learned. 
cannot overstate the importance of lessons learned over the course of the fiscal year. Um, for a small business, it's an opportunity to be true to yourself about what you did well and what you didn't, because there is no sense in trying to build more contracts and more customers over things that you didn't do well. And why do I say that? Because those same customers are the ones that provide CPARs. So whether it's a sole source agreement or any other agreement when you need past performance reference and you go to a customer and you're starting to tell them about all the wonderful things that you do, but you haven't actually looked into your program and understand whether it is or isn't working, they may know that it is or isn't working. I don't know how many times I've talked to government customers and they have inferred that certain contractors aren't performing the, the way that they should be performing. And that is that is gold, because when you hear that, those are the opportunities that you tee in on and try and capitalize on. So make sure that you've got your house in order, so to speak, this is audio, so you can't see me putting quotes around it, but get your house in order. Also, before you jump into these customer engagement sessions or start talking about your capabilities and areas you've performed, because there are opportunities and there are times where someone's going to say, prove it or show me your CPARs to justify this sole source, because I'm going to need that material. Should someone say, why did you provide this sole source to this business X? They need to be able to stand on the fact that you've actually performed and performed well against those opportunities. So again, similar to conflicts, don't walk yourself into a situation where you're really not as informed as you should be about your own work. Okay, so we've given a lot of information, hopefully all very helpful information. What I wanna segue into is kind of dropping down from that 10,000 foot view to maybe somewhere in the three to five range um, to talk about actionable items and what you can plan for and actually execute versus just more so food for thought. Carla, you wanna kick us off and start talking about some of these actionable items? Yes, so I have, sort of distilled a lot of thoughts into nine steps, let's call it. And I also want to touch on maybe 10,000 foot point again is, you know, we've been talking a lot about capturing work that is within your current uh, organization. So you're going to work to get funding added to a current contract, or you're going to expand work with an existing client. But there's also opportunities that are just going to come out over the wire fast and furious. So this is a quarter four opportunity, and these are bluebirds that, that are going to come out like quickly. And you have to decide whether or not you're going to look at those opportunities or not. There's a ton of money there. Looking on vehicles that you already have, I mean, obviously that, that would be what you would need to do, but GSA puts a lot of stuff on mass schedules because it's easy to do. They do a lot of set-aside work. Um, it has quick turn because they're in a hurry. It may have low dollar amount. They may go in and um, search for certain socioeconomic uh, small businesses that can do the work and reach out to you. So there's a lot of other ways that things can kind of come at you that you're not necessarily cultivating, but they're opportunities that you have to decide if you want to look at. So in going and through- I, I would add before you jump into that list, quick turn does mean quick turn. We're talking seven to 10 days on some of these opportunities because they want to issue, they want to get responses and they want to get them out the door. They've already, they already know in their mind roughly the kind of resources they're looking for. So quick turn does very literally mean quick turn. Um, and if you as a business, and thank you, Carla, for bringing that up, plan to set aside time or energy towards going after these bluebirds or opportunities that you may have not otherwise planned for, strategically planned to go after, know that it is going to require resources. Um, and I think that's what Carla's, and I, 
I know that's what Carla's <laughs> going to get into here on some of the actionable items. But it's 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 another strategy. Um, I, we're not saying that one is any better than the other. In an ideal state, should resources permit, you're looking across the board at all of these different strategies and things you can do to increase your um, ability to to win work. Because that's what we're all in here for to to support the mission, be you know good public servants, and make money exactly. while we're doing it. So this this list of nine is all-encompassing of all of the types of opportunities that you may have in the fourth quarter, whether they be organic growth or bluebirds or everything in between. Okay, so number one, start early. So the government folk are busy in August and September. They're busy, well, all the time, but particularly busy in August and September. And so you don't want to be coming at them with your, hey, what about this? What do you think about this? Like, pick me, pick me. Don't be annoying. You need to start uh, early if you're going to be approaching your customers so that you present them with an opportunity, not uh, a nuisance. And then you may want to schedule FaceTime or virtual meetings with your customer to make a pitch, engage their interest. So we're talking about maybe the springtime after you've reviewed all of your program notes throughout the year and you've surveyed your project teams. Here are some things we've thought about. What do you think? Um, and it gives the customers the opportunity to tell you if they're interested. So you can either turn it up or turn it down. And also an opportunity early enough for them to tell you, no, no, not that, but here's what we really need. So get in front of them um, and do it early. So make sure also that your um, mass schedule, because that one's frequently used, it has updated labor categories to maximize your flexibility to be able to bid work or to be able to direct um, your clients to put work out for you. Just make sure that's updated because that's a process that takes a while, sometimes it depends on how good you are at it and how who your um, CO is over on the GSA side, but make sure that that is tight before you get into quarter four. And that aligns with that audit of having your contract specialist that works for your organization. Add that to the list of things to do and give them some time to do it. The don't be annoying part applies to your internal employees as well. Um, as to your customers, your internal employees were more likely to deal with it because they're your employees, but it just as a decent human, try not to bombard them with all of these things at one time because they do take time. And also, if you feel that your business is really, really small and you're at capacity and don't have the bandwidth, don't forget about consultants who uh, provide contract support, who can do an evaluation and help make recommendations earlier on about um, even adding SINs that may be relevant, you know, in, you know, in a timely manner to your schedule, labor categories uh, to different vehicles or evaluating certain clauses that at certain points of time in your contract, you're able to do X. And whether that's on a federal or a state level, you know, looking at those contracts and being able to uh, consider other resources other than what you have internally and um, thinking about those costs in advance too, that's another, you know, just, nugget or tidbit to think about prior to jumping into the season. So that way you don't have to overburden your staff or yourself if you're still billable. Tasha, what a wonderful segue into organizing your task force. Very much so. Okay. So <laughs> item number two uh, is organize the Q4 task force. And let's call it a task force because it really, if your organization does want to put a separate focused effort on winning work in Q4, um, it's not necessarily part of everyone's day job. So you, you need to focus on it. You need to create a task force, a team to commit time and energy towards it. And so a few things to think about when you create this team, 
I would recommend that you coordinate the efforts of this team through a central BD manager so that you can look for work, you can strategize on how you're going to look for work. Are you going to be looking at work on a particular vehicle? Are you going to be looking at a particular client because they're more um, willing and able to work with you on expanding your work? Are you looking in certain capability areas because that's where you offer a differentiated service um, or product? And so you need to coordinate it through a single point because otherwise you could overcommit and under-execute. And it really is a dance on you know, where you're going to put your time and resources and your energy. So do it through a central uh, BD or other type of manager. You will need corporate resources engaged for capture, pricing, proposal development. You'll need project team resources engaged for their domain knowledge and, and solutioning whether it be for a current customer or a new customer, you're going to need to engage a lot of different people in your organization. And then you may, if you're really doing a big push or you've sort of pre-identified a lot of opportunities, you should look at consultants and other types of proposal resources that you can use as, as reach back or surge if you need that. So just during that time period. And I would add to that, Carla, that these are all calculated risks, no different from going after an opportunity during the regular year. There are costs associated with doing business in the government. If you plan for it and set a budget for it, knowing that it's coming and see how well you make returns on your investment, then you can get smarter about those investments and in the next go round. But to stretch all of your resources absolutely thin to try and make this work is what honestly we all end up typically doing, but there's a better way to do this. And that's what we're hoping to try and provide, shed some light on, provide some mechanisms by which you can improve this process. And these resources Carla's talking about don't have to be full-time resources if you can't afford it, but you can carve time out of people's schedules as long as you know and they know that that's what they're dedicating their time to. And you're not asking them to dedicate this time in addition to what they're already doing, because again, you're going to reach a burnout situation. But this, these are calculated risks, not unlike just generally doing business in the government that you can plan for and see how well you do. And to that point, I'm going to do take my role of being the, the transition maker uh, <laughs> and throw in this last comment with regards to, yes, plan for it, but be realistic about timeline for things to mature. and and progress and it takes time for these things to happen. You can't just start putting in effort um and two weeks later or a month later think, oh my God, now you know, oh, we should see something now. No, it, it takes time. So you have to be a realistic and what helps to feed that is by doing that research and being prepared and doing your homework and allowing for that um process um to unfold. So that segues very nicely into number three, do your homework. <laughs> um, so a few things to think about, searching USA Spending and other databases, but USA Spending is really a great database where you can see um, what agencies are doing as far as set-asides and sole sourcing goes. You can look at different um, fiscal years. You can sort by agency and by NAICS and any which way. It's a fantastic um, interface but just kind of honing in your search on agencies or areas where those places have a history of awarding to your particular type of business. 
it's just a shorter road to hoe and an easier sell to make. And you're probably going to see more stuff come out from those agencies. So look for it and see how they buy, right? And so yeah. if the contracts that you have or you don't have, maybe you want to partner with someone who has a contract that that agency bids on and you want to team up and, and do it that way. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat, but the data is there. And so if you really do want to try some approaches into capitalizing on quarter four, you can do some data mining and come up with a strategy that you think makes sense. Yeah. USA spending just for everyone's uh, awareness, uh, usaspending.gov is the website and it is free. Uh, it's a free, it's a free database. I would also state that when Carla is talking about, you know, your company ensuring that they have the agency has a history of awarding opportunities to companies that look like yours, your company profile taking into consideration if awardees for opportunities um, like the ones that you're interested in, what size are they? How much experience do they have in government? What type of capabilities do they have? Do they have those qual those uh, quality um, certs or not? Some agencies really put a lot of um, weight on those types of things. And if you're not there yet, like she said, partnering. So I just wanted to clarify that it's free resources, but also clarify what it means by like your company's profile. It's more than just your competencies or service offerings. Oh, it's anything. I mean, it's, right. it's anything and everything. Right. It truly it's, is a, a, an interesting database. And if you go in there, you can really see how there's value in kind of helping you strategize for what to go after. And to add to free resources and doing your homework, you don't have to overthink this, folks. You can literally go on Google and search government agencies that have not met their small business requirements. And every Federal News Weekly article, podcast, um, YouTube video that's been published where agencies are talking about their mission to meet small business goals, a lot of it will come up to the tune of hundreds of results. And keep in mind that it just because you're listening to a 2022 podcast or a 2022 presentation, we're talking fiscal years and we're also talking relative to the government. They are working hard to uh, make major adjustments to their spend and support small businesses, but it doesn't happen overnight. So if you see an agency in 2022 that was, that was struggling, they might've still been struggling in 23. And it shows that you've done your homework by asking the question, hey, you know, where do you stand on meeting your small business goals? We've seen the effort that you guys have invested in, blah, blah, blah. Again, free resources. That's just a Google search. And while you're at, while we're segueing, speaking of Google searches, there's an easy way that you can make yourself available to government agencies and to others looking to partner with you as well, um, because they will search and they will search Sam, Carla. Number four, update <laughs> Sam. So most of Y'all have a profile in SAM. Um, if you don't, uh, you need one. And that is the database that all government agencies use to, it's your official record for your company, for what type of business you are, contact information, the NAICS that you operate in. And so make sure that it's not necessarily just a Q4 thing, but um, it, it's a good thing to do routinely at least every year is make sure the information in SAM is updated because it's very critical and it's not necessarily fast. So you need to make sure that you've made all the updates at least 30 days before you want to start winning work because if the government goes in there and the data is not correct or updated, that can be an issue. 
Number five um, in the database vein is make sure your SBA DSBS data is updated. That's the dynamic small business search database that the SBA maintains. And CEOs and small business reps definitely use this database to search for small businesses with capabilities that they need. They use a keyword search. And so it's an interesting uh, interface where you have a fairly limited amount that you can put into this database. You need to be very thoughtful about what's in there. Keywords are important because that's what gets caught in the search. So if they're searching for a capability, a tool, um, certification, even a unique certification that you have staff um, that has, you, you want to make sure to include that any in unique capability. Tasha. Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on that because there's there was a recent release by SBA regarding the DSBS. It's no longer uh, accessible. Well, you can get to it through SAM.gov, but it's on the um, it's on SBA Connect and uh, SBA Connect. That website is connect.sba.gov. The they recently sent out uh, new instructions, and before you were you had to um, kind of know how to get your past performance in there by happenstance. Um, the only way to do it previously was by editing the notes section, which was not obvious when you were filling out uh, your profile for DSBS. However, now they also allow for you to upload your capability statement to your DSBS, which that was not a, a feature before um, that is available most recently. And I would, I, I would like to add to that because... It's just working out this way. We honestly, folks, did not plan these segues. But please don't update your DSBS profile and add all of these wonderful things that you do and all these great keywords as a company and then not update your website. So just number is, six. I, number I had to, and I, I, didn't, I didn't plan it. I didn't plan it, but you, you see it. it so often. You, did, you see it. I see it often enough, and I've been guilty of it myself. I'm not even, uh, you know, I'll claim that where you're so worried about updating the information in these government databases that you don't spend the necessary resources to make sure your company's information is available. Because don't forget that there are other businesses that want to work with you as well as a small business that's registered with set-aside statuses. So large businesses need small businesses as well for some of these opportunities. Now, they may not be looking at some set, you know, partnering for a set-aside, but they may be planning for something for the next fiscal year because they're looking at a $30 million contract that's dropping in the next fiscal year and want to work with small businesses. And now look what has what look at what's happened. You now have a strategic reason to look at certain agencies. You're now a value-added partner and you're a value-added customer to, to, the, to the government. These things matter. We're having this conversation for a reason. So over to you, Carla. Yeah, absolutely. So number six, true up your website. Make sure your capabilities, your contracts information, your experience, if you have any um, case studies up there or any downloadable collateral, um, CEOs do actually like collateral. They send it around, sometimes even print it out. So make sure that's updated and make sure the contact info on your website's correct and test your links, just true it up. And that's pretty much all there is about the website. Um, well, well, one more thing on the website piece, just to tie together what you said and what Yaz said, you want to make sure that that DSBS, those other, and any other records you have in government systems ties to the website because of the market research that the contract officers are doing. I have friends and people that I know in the network who are, who are contract officers doing that market research, and they have disqualified companies that had incongruence or, um, 
you know, uh, maybe had a one pager that was sent that talked about them doing, you know, um, X services, but they go to the website and there's nothing to be found about them doing that service. It looks as though there's, you know, there's, there's a miss. And so make that, that thinking of uh, that, throwing up your website and being specific and focused on those details is very important. Um, and also, I mean, using the same language, I think I've seen a lot of times before talking about a capability sort of in one way on your website, another way and capability sheets, like trying to be organized. That's a little bit of a marketing discussion, but it no, just- that that's important, Mark, important discussion, because if you don't pay attention to the detail of the language you're using, it also looks like you don't know what you're doing because- right. Very specific, very specific example. If you say you do information assurance and you do information management, but you're using those words interchangeably and then saying you're an expert Uh oh, <laughs> and yeah. they're very different things like, yeah, that that's just it doesn't look good. And if you are at this point in the podcast feeling overwhelmed, please just remind yourself again, little little note in the back of your mind. There are consultants for everything. There's someone that can help you do just about anything. And you don't have to pay a fortune for it. You can get help to turn some of these things quickly. You don't have to do it all by yourself because there's only but so much you can do and do well. So we're continuing to pile on information and now we're in an actionable checklist and you should be mentally checking these things off in your brain and probably getting a bit overwhelmed at this point. If you started at at mark one and you're already identifying things you haven't done yet and we're not even at the bottom of the list. With that, shall we get into the details? But we're in the last third of the list. At number seven, we have Think about the details. That was an overwhelming one to have after talking about being overwhelmed. Think about the details. But what I mean by this is if you have a specific project or capability in mind for a a particular customer or that you're going to offer in general, you should be prepared to write up a statement of work. It needs to be packaged in a way that's very clear. What exactly is it that you want to sell to them? And it needs to be documented. Um, they may ask you for it to help them um, with the contracts process. The more organized you are, the easier it's going to be for the customer. And it's just going to be easier to communicate and talk about with your project teams and and with everyone involved. So start looking at an actual SOW and the details of a statement of work. And then that applies to costs as well. So because, you know, if you're looking at a sole source solution, um, you really need to be specific about justifying costs because um, the government's going to require that of you because um, they're just giving it to you. So you need to be um, very detailed, very clear, providing exactly how much it's going to cost to do the work you've documented in the SAP. So do be prepared with those details because if your customer, worst case scenario would be your, your customer coming to you and saying, you know, we want to do that project you've been telling us you can do and let's do it. And I need something by the end of the day today, and you haven't even started. It happens. It really happens. absolutely happens. happens. They're in a huge rush. So you have to be ahead of them. And and that comes, the devil's in the details. So be all up in them. So number eight, and this is sort of ethereal thought, but bidding things that come out that are small, it's sort of having a foot in the door strategy. So you may not otherwise, if it weren't quarter four, be looking at um, certain types of work, but like assessments, <laughs> like assessments, <laughs> um, 
you, um, you might consider that it's sort of a four-way in, in, foray, sorry, into the agency um, by, it could be like a proof of concept, sort of phase one or pre-phase to a larger piece of work. Which is a technical assessment, but go ahead, I'm sorry. It's just a <laughs> demonstration of capabilities by way of assessing tools, but it's cool. We're not going to call it an assessment. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I well, no, I'm calling it a proof of concept. That's cool. Maybe we'll that's a proof of concept. Yeah. It's cool. Maybe let's that's go with that. versus, I don't know. Yeah, it's but, fine. <laughs> so it's, it's an opportunity to tee up longer term work. So don't be afraid for a small, um, a small piece of work and to actually fight for it. Cause you know, if the follow-on work comes next year or the following year, you are the heir apparent for that work. So use it as a foot in the door strategy. And then the last of the nine is scour opportunities daily. So this is if you are deciding to look at bluebirds um, and to look at the waterfall of opportunities that are coming out, there's going to be stuff that comes out that is due very quickly. It could be days, maybe a week. Uh, It could be pretty quick. And if you don't have someone who's specifically responsible for monitoring that, um, I'm going to call it the wire digitally, you're going to miss stuff. And if you don't know how you're going to, what criteria you're going to use to sort of like escalate an opportunity or, you know, move it to the next level, then you're going to miss even more because that person needs to know exactly what they're looking for. And they need to be looking all the time. If you can automate this, this is great. But a lot of small businesses don't have GovWin and don't have a lot of the tools that would do this for you. And a lot of these vehicles, their stuff comes out in emails or comes out in all sorts of different ways. So you really need to look at this daily, even um, semi-daily. And if somebody's on vacation, you need to have someone fill that role. It's a very, very important role. So you need to make sure that it's happening if you do choose to be looking at all of this work. Those are my nine steps. What do you think? Amazing. I wish oh, I good. could just do all the clapping and the, you know, you know, we're going, wow. <laughs> and you got the uh, usher, oh, like in the background, you know? Yeah. This song, you're on mute. Yes, I know. The music. <laughs> I was singing. I was like, yep, see, see music. Yes, I, yes, yes. Perfect. Put it in. Uh, we yeah. appreciate it. We yeah. appreciate it. Well, thank you, Carla, so much for all for those nine nine points that we had. That was an excellent conversation. And that rounds us out for our episode with regards to our end of year uh, fiscal summer or government summer season. And just want to thank you guys so much for riding with us this season. Yeah, I want to echo that sentiment. Thank you all for listening in, uh, especially on this, our last episode of the season on Unveiled, GovCon Stories, a Hive 39 media production with our guests, Carla Brown and your host, Tasha and Yaz. Please subscribe, follow us. We have a whole new season we're preparing and and information we're looking forward to sharing with you all in the fall. Um, Follow us on the socials, share our podcast to your teammates, your competitors, um, your fellow small businesses, business owners, others generally interested in learning more about GovCon and, and the, the nuances of this industry. So again, thank you all for listening in. And we look forward also to your content, other ideas that you may have or topics you'd love for us to cover. Until the next season, thanks again. Bye.